Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. And I'm your host, Caitlin. And we are talking all about this week's episode of The Bad Batch. Bounty Lost. This episode came out on June 25th, 2021, and it was directed by Brad Rao and Nathaniel Villanueva, and it was written by Matt Mikanovitz. And this was a really good episode. It was so good. I think that's it's really interesting because I feel like a couple of people – we're recording this on Monday, June 28th. We had a busy weekend. Um, it was actually my birthday, so I just couldn't record. And I, I feel like we've seen a lot of people being like, this is the best episode yet. This is the, my favorite episode so far. I'm not sure I really felt that way, but this one was really a heart thumper. There was like a lot going on. It was definitely so beautiful. The lighting in this episode. Oh my God. Joel Aaron <laughs> is at it again. <laughs> it was insane. The dust particles. Are you kidding me? An yeah. entire episode of dust particles just everywhere they said no budget for joel aaron he can do whatever he wants blank checkbook seriously seriously i was like i was in awe every time they rounded a corner and a different light was like shining in i was like oh my god this is so beautiful (laughs) it was so yeah it, it was so beautiful this episode i think that's something that was probably one of the most striking things about it was just how good it looked. And I feel like we've said that every single episode, but Bad Batch really has (laughs) outdone itself as far as settings and the environments and the lighting. What did you think of it? I thought this episode was really fun. It's definitely, is it my favorite? Uh, I say this every week. I don't know. I think it might be. I thought this episode had a lot of really great tension. The action in it was great. This episode really pushed Omega to the forefront, and we really got to see just everything she can do, right? Like, she is so smart, so brave. Like, <laughs> if I were in her situation, I would be dead. I would be gone. But she she was, you know, <laughs> tricking Toto. She was figuring out escape routes. She was figuring out how to contact the Bad Batch and what to do about that. And she she really held her own in like a really big way against Fennec, Cadbane, and Toto. When I was watching this episode for the second time, I was kind of I think when we when Omega was captured, I had thought that she's going to be able to show her skills about what she has learned 
in the Bad Batch crew so far. And I feel like that is absolutely true. That's exactly what happened in this episode. Like her even tinkering with the, the technical panels of it all. Like I was like, oh, she definitely learned that from tech and just sneaking around in general. And like, you're so right. She's so smart. But we can't forget that Omega, she had never left Camino before. So she had to, I don't know, she had to really think on her feet and... I believed it all. Like, it was great. Yeah, I, for one, honestly would really like a Toto and Omega adventure series. I loved them together, and I <laughs> I, I want that. I think they would have such great banter, and I would love to see Toto make a real friend in Omega. Don't you want a Toto redemption arc? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. When <laughs> when Toto uh, dropped the credits, Cad Bane's credits, like, out in the sky, I... I died. I I was like that. For me, that was the biggest laugh of the episode. It wasn't quite at the level of, is there an echo in here? Because that's still hands down the best joke of the season, possibly of any Star Wars animation. (laughs) But him dropping the credits was pretty darn funny. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. What was your favorite soft moment of the episode? You know, on first watch, it was the hug between Hunter and Omega at the end when she's finally rescued. But after the second watch, I think it is... The other great Hunter and Omega moment when he tells her that she never has to go back to Camino, And I just thought that whole scene was really beautiful. Really, you really felt their relationship. And the fact that it was Omega, like the the person she kept calling to throughout the episode was Hunter specifically. And I think that was just yeah, super sweet. What about you? That was probably my favorite, but I did get this weird sense of foreboding at the end of that where I was like, I don't think Hunter's actually going to be able to keep his promise with that. Even though I think it's a the right thing to say to her, uh, I think that they'll they'll try their hardest to not let that happen, but I, I'm a little worried. I was a little concerned at the end there. That was probably my favorite cute moment. I like when Wrecker kind of swung her up when they all reunited again. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was very cute. That was, I think that's the question I kind of ended the episode on was, is Hunter going to be able to keep this big promise? Because last week I said I was putting $10 down on going back to Camino by the end of the season. Okay, so this whole episode we, or this whole season, sorry, this whole season we've been talking about who hired Fennec and now who hired Cad Bane. We had a lot of big ideas out there, but it is both have been hired by the Kaminoans. What did you think of this reveal? I think it's interesting because the Bad Batch now has set up the fact that within Camino, there's a little bit of warring ideas about what's going on, right? So we have Nala Say, who I guess hired Fennec to protect Omega and maybe like bring her back. I don't know. I don't know what her end goal was there. I think that's still a question mark. But obviously, Tanwi and Lama Sue, who are the Kaminoans that we saw in Attack of the Clones, and now, spoiler alert, Tanwi is dead. What the heck? Was not expecting that. <laughs> but I, I think that it's clear that the top, like the head honcho Kaminoans are evil. Like, I don't know what they're going to use Omega for besides her DNA. They're not going to let her live, I suppose. Or like live, maybe survive, but not necessarily live her life in the same aspect that she is with the Bad Batch right now. And to me, this was pretty satisfying because it it adds like a little bit of a deeper thing that was happening. I know that we were talking about, we were throwing huge ideas around like Dryden Voss and everything. And I still think those kind of characters are still able to be present in this series. I was just think we were we were trying to connect the dots in a way that maybe just didn't fit. But 
I think that is still possible to come up in the series, just FYI, but I don't think it has anything to do right now with these bounty hunters. However, I still think I have a lot of questions about like just why, because it's not like they're looking for Boba. I don't know. I, I think it's it's interesting because I think in this episode we learned that Boba was Alpha and Omega obviously is Omega. I thought that was an interesting revelation and I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about the whole sibling thing. I think it works in Star Wars just based off of everything that Star Wars has presented. But this <laughs> this episode just brought up a lot of answers. We got these answers and we're still mid-season. And it just makes me think, what else is there? So I don't understand specifically. I want more information, I guess, about why the Kaminoans want Omega and what is their end goal there? Because I think it's probably to save their big business of cloning and their like perfect specimen in Jango Fat and therefore their perfect specimen in Omega since she's like an exact clone. I think it's also like super interesting that Omega is like technically older than the rest of the Bad Batch crew because she was one of the first clones. And also it makes me think, does Jang- did Jango Fat even know this was happening when he asked for Boba? Did he get to choose between a boy and a girl? What's happening here? I don't know. I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of questions that I think came out of this episode, even though it feels like a lot of questions were answered in this episode. Yeah, I think that I was really surprised that both of our bounty hunters ended up being hired by two Kaminoans, two separate Kaminoans. And I was definitely the person that was like, it's Maul. Like, let it be Maul at the end of this line. And so when I first watched it, I was kind of like, oh, it's in some ways it's kind of a smaller story when it's just the Kaminoans who are after Omega, and I don't mean that negatively. Uh, I do think that a mall, like the mall storyline, would be really interesting. But that kind of, in my theory, that kind of hinged on Omega having some kind of force capabilities, like in how we thought that they were kind of creating the perfect type of clone, being one that is force sensitive that you can control is kind of the most powerful clone but i think it it makes a lot more sense and almost a lot more business sense that omega is the you know she still has the raw genetic material of jango fett and the like <laughs> jango and like boba being the alpha and then omega being the omega it, it makes so much sense that, like i should have picked up on it a while ago <laughs> um <laughs> But I have to say that the the intrigue that it sets up within Camino, within I guess the the government, the High Council, the whatever it is uh, of Camino, I find super fascinating, and I hope that we spend more time there in the back half of the season, like really in that kind of political intrigue, that business intrigue, I guess, of what they're doing and what their purpose is. The fact that they call out, um, and I get all of them mixed up, but Nala says uh, particular closeness, her her feelings towards Omega is really fascinating because the Kaminoans are always presented as very detached. And so them's them pointing out this like close personal relationship they have with Omega, I think is really interesting. And it makes it's like, okay, well, what for? Is it just that Omega has the raw genetic material? Like that's what they're all after. And the fact that they think that they can just extract what they need and then terminate Omega, it's like they don't really need as much as they 
thought like i don't know i kind of think of them wanting to keep omega alive longer to keep that genetic material but i guess they only need like one and done and then they can get rid of her i don't know i think it sets up a lot of intrigue as far as the politics of camino and what everyone's motivations are and so i was kind of surprised with how intriguing i found that by the time we we got to that revelation and yeah i would like to see more of it i think it's interesting that omega brought up she used Lama Sue by name. And I wonder what Omega thinks about the relationship that Nala Say has with her or had with her. And if she's ever going to bring up that name again, and then we're going to get some answers from her point of view about what's going on there. I still think that Omega has like a lot to share about her time on Camino, like what she was doing. I don't know. She's still so young, obviously. So I don't know what sort of memory she has or anything like that. But I feel like we don't really know a lot about her past before um and maybe now with the fact that the the hunter and crew kind of told her that she's special maybe a lot of things will kind of snap into place about her own life before and just to return back to the alpha and omega situation with boba and omega yeah we definitely should have thought about that i think we did talk about the whole alpha and omega bit at least in the first or second episode of the the show but i still don't think we thought about like if Boba Fett was a sibling in like an actual sibling sort of made to be a sibling I guess it's kind of a weird conversation to have but even so like it's so interesting they do kind of they do kind of look alike like I don't know why I didn't make that connection (laughs) I guess I sort of did but it works for me and I really just what we were talking about on the last show about whether or not we're going to see Omega in uh, the book of Boba Fett like Now I think there's a really big chance we would. And also just this whole idea of Fennec. Now, what is her relationship like to Boba Fett? Oh my gosh. In the book of Boba Fett, just even fast forwarding like 25 to 30 years, right? Even longer, I suppose. What happens there and what does she bring to the table about Omega? Like, I don't know. It would be really cool to see that in live action. Something that you said that I wanted to go back to was talking about Omega and what she knows. Like there's still a lot we haven't heard about her life on Camino and her memories of what she was doing. And you brought up a really good point about the fact that she very well could be older than the Bad Batch or has been around longer than members of the Bad Batch has, which I think is really fascinating to think about. But a lot of the scenes between Fennec and Omega reminded me a lot of Rey and the whole, you know who you are, like like, uh, Rey and Kylo's conversation specifically about her past, like, um, you already know who you are kind of thing. Fennec said something very similar to Omega, and it reminded me a lot of that conversation with Rey and Kylo. And I don't know, I think it's them kind of setting her up as like she there's still a lot that she's concealing I think that she could be concealing could be really interesting and like what is that exactly because she does ask Hunter like she seems very confused isn't the right word because Omega is very smart but she seems like she's finally realizing just how valuable she is to the Kaminoans but I think you're onto something in that there still might there's still something that Perhaps Omega hasn't told the rest of the crew yet about maybe something she's seen on, 
Camino, something she knows about them as the Bad Batch. There are still, as we've kind of been following throughout the whole series, these little pieces of Omega saying these very sage, wise thing. And the one I always go back to is the very first episode with Crosshair when she tells them, I know what you're going to do, but don't do it. I think that still is still like very chilling to me as an audience. And I don't know, I find it uh, really fascinating, the idea that there's still something that Omega knows about herself but is too scared to share. Maybe she thinks that no one else knows about it, not even the Kaminoans, and so it's better to keep it a secret. I think all of that could be really good potential and like throw in some kind of plot twist, an additional plot twist by the end of this season. And also thinking about like the this, I like how you talked about the siblings in Star Wars and you're like, well, I guess it works in Star Wars <laughs> because it does. Uh, but I, you know, we got that listener email last week about Boba possibly wanting to find Omega to have that familial connection. And now knowing that she kind of more or less is his sibling, for lack of a better word, um, even though they're all clones, but they're both non-aging clones or non-accelerated aging clones. Knowing that, having that confirmed in this episode makes me that much more interested in Boba going after Omega, wanting that connection to her to see if she knew Jango or to see what else she knows or just someone who is probably as close to family as he can get. I think that's such an intriguing concept for Boba Fett. And now that we have Fennec really involved with Omega, you're right, like that brings in a whole other layer to it that could be explored in the book of Boba Fett, which would be really cool, really fun. Like, would we know part of Omega's and journey or that she ends up with Boba Fett on Tatooine at some point, even before we've really seen the end of the Bad Batch story, that would be kind of crazy to see, I think. And it would be something that only Star Wars could do to play with a timeline like that, to go through the first season with Omega, where she's introduced in Bad Batch as however old she is, eight, nine years old is what she looks like to me. Um, And then, you know, a couple months later to immediately have her in the book of Boba Fett, being much older perhaps and still have so much in the middle that hasn't been explored yet like that that kind of excite me excites me and that really is only something i feel like star wars can do it's similar to like the whole reveal in the clone wars of yeah anakin skywalker had a padawan and her name was ahsoka and this is how she changed his life and i wonder if they're going to pull the same strings with omega and boba I mean, I think that there could be some sort of sinister undertone about Omega finding out about, uh, I mean, Boba finding out about Omega and then Boba maybe wanting to use her for his own gain or something like that. I'm I, I'm just speculating here. I don't really know because the Boba Fett that we see during this time is a very different Boba Fett than we see in The Mandalorian, but also that hasn't been fully explored yet. And I could be very wrong about that because to be honest, like I'm just getting into Boba Fett, you know, <laughs> so my knowledge of him is quite limited, not quite limited. It's not that limited. I, I, I don't know. I haven't devoted a lot of time like we've done. We haven't done a Boba Fett episode or anything like that. Anyway, I just feel like there could be good and bad that is present. And maybe that's something that is fully explored in the book of Boba Fett too, but also here. And you're so right that it feels very Star Wars that there's all these different timelines that we could be playing with. There's just so much here. This episode really just like dropped a couple bombs and I'm like still reeling from it, to be honest, (laughs) even though I've watched the episode twice now. You know, you talk about the potential of there being something sinister with Boba Fett. And I think that that is totally a possibility. But I keep thinking about just, you know, that great scene in Attack of the Clones of 
by great, I mean very sad, of Boba, you know, holding Jango Fett's head um, on Geonosis of just like that that childlike sadness. And I don't know, I think it could be a really interesting turn to see this really kind of sympathetic or like, again, for lack of a better word, like a protective brother situation with Boba and Omega. Or maybe he doesn't even know who Omega really is when they first meet. And then once he finds out, it becomes this whole like suddenly, you know, he's 100% on Omega's side and is going to do whatever is going to make her happy kind of thing. I think you know, Star Wars has, like, in introducing Boba Fett in The Mandalorian, it kind of revolutionized the character for a lot of people, you and I included. And I think to kind of even add a new shade to it of Boba Fett genuinely caring about someone who he might see as a family member, I think would be a really cool turn for a character who is known for you know, being a bounty hunter, an assassin, um, super skilled with a blaster, like all of that, and a jetpack sometimes more than others. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I think there totally is the chance for it to be sinister and that and like for him to want to use her for his own gain. But you know, you know, and I think you would agree too. We're always going to find the sympathetic story much more compelling, especially from a character like Boba Fett, who uh, sympathetic is not a term that you would immediately apply to him. And so to create that kind of uh, layer around his characterization with a character like Omega, who the entire world is obsessed with and loves dearly, (laughs) I would really like to see that, you know? Yes. And one thing I want to bring up, inevitably, I guess Omega and Boba have to meet, right? And I think that a big question on the table for the past couple of episodes for me, number one was, okay, so what is the Bad Batch crew doing with Sid right now? So they're going on missions. They're basically bounty hunting, right? Like they're doing, not bounty hunting, but they're they're doing odd jobs for someone who is in contacts and in relation with bounty hunters. Even in this episode, the Bad Batch crew asked Sid about uh, Cad Bane and the quote is, I, I think it's Echo that says, she knows all about Bane, but not how to find him or on our own. So we're already connected to someone who is connected to bounty hunters, right? And as the Bad Batch crew is trying to figure out their way and trying to figure out what to do, it's very different, obviously, than their path with Rex. We've talked about that extensively with the whole idea of free will and where the Bad Batch are going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay, so now we have a character who is connected to bounty hunters, and we know that Boba Fett is also connected to bounty hunters, especially during this time period with people like Aura Singh and Bosk and similar people, right? Like we saw that in the Clone Wars. So I don't know. It's really interesting. And we already have seen the basically the re- reusing of the Boba and uh, Cad Bane bit from the Clone Wars uh, reels that were never used. And I don't know, like, it feels like he's coming back. And now I was trying to figure out how he could possibly come into this series, like what characters are going to bring him in. And I, it kind of feels like it could be Sid, because I still just really don't know how to feel about Sid. I really don't. But if the price is right, if if somehow Boba finds out that there's a clone that's basically his sibling, he's the Alpha and she's the Omega, And Boba goes to Sid and is like, where is Omega? How do I find her? And the price is right. Then Sid's going to lead them directly there to find Omega. So just interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, but I was just thinking about that in terms of different characters who who could connect them. What do you think about that, Caitlin? 
I still, it's interesting you say that it could come through Sid, this connection of Boba to Omega, because I was still like, oh, obviously it'll be Cad Bane, <laughs> who is the connection here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it totally could be. And maybe they're all connected. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're part of the guild or something. But yeah, that that would make sense, too. I just went on this whole tangent. But yeah, <laughs> it would make sense. No, I, I like your tangent. The thing is that you, I think your tangent kind of emphasized is that there are so many connecting pieces of all of these characters. And so it really could be anyone. Like we know that Fennec and Boba are connected in the future. What's to say they're not connected now? We we don't know that. What's to say this isn't when they're meeting? We know that Sid and, or we know that Cad Bane and Boba are connected previously throughout the Clone Wars. We also know that Sid knows a lot about bounty hunters. That probably includes Boba Fett at this time too. We know that the Bad Batch are clones. Uh, Boba is a clone. Omega is a clone. They all originate on Kamino. They're just like the the threads connecting all of these people are are a lot closer than I think uh, we're necessarily used to in some other Star Wars stories. So I think your tangent is is great because it really could be anyone because <laughs> and it would work. It would make sense for it to be any one of those characters. Cad Bane, in some respects, might even be the easy choice for it to be connected to Cad Bane. But the point is, it would make perfect sense, like from where we're standing right now, for it to be any of them, right? Yeah. It's interesting because, like, I was thinking about how we perhaps don't know the first time that Fennec and Boba meet either. So the fact that – I don't know. I keep going back to, like, the fact that now she has this background information now that she has a debt to pay in the Mandalorian time period to Boba Fett and how that, like, has completely restructured their relationship. And I'm using the term relationship because that's what Ming-Na Wen referred to them as, like, in a group of – interviews that she did this week and she sort of hinted at that as happening or like being explored she said we're exploring the relationship in book of boba fett which makes me excited because i can't wait to see what that entails whether that's romantic whether it's not it doesn't really matter to me it it i just it sounds really interesting i'm really excited to see that and the fact that fennec was connected to his sister i guess now is like it's i don't know it's so cool it really there's so many connections oh my god it's okay i just want to like level again with everyone you know a year ago i think that people sort of rolled their eyes at the idea of this show the bad batch they were like is this even needed what the heck but i really do feel like it provides this like really cool backbone to a lot of different things that are being developed in Star Wars right now. It's just getting more and more fun, I think, at least for me. No, I'm having a great time with it. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said something interesting about Fennec now having this kind of debt to Boba Fett after he saves her in The Mandalorian and, you know, fixes her up and everything. But who's to say that that moment wasn't Boba Fett repaying Fennec back for something that happens that we're gonna see happen in Bad Batch you know what if it is this like decades long give and take between the two of them of um, debts paid and debts owed and in this moment when Boba finds Fennec it's a debt he owes and now now his debt to Fennec has been paid and now Fennec owes him a debt I don't know I think there, it's just such a cool possibility, and it, it it feels kind of weird spending so much time talking about Boba Fett in this episode of The Bad Batch. But it, it does like it. You're right. It is the show is such a backbone for a lot of things that are coming down the line, and 
the the characters in this series they really do touch on so many of those big star wars themes and i don't know i think there's a lot going on and there are so many different possibilities. I mean, even the fact that we were talking about Maul and Dryden Voss being at the end of this or being like a force sensitive clone. And then I don't know, it just, this is the best part of star Wars for you and I, right. Is like the speculation piece of it of like, how weird can it go and how, um, how connected can it get? You and I love that aspect of star Wars. And I don't know. I just, I really love speculating about this show and the fact that we, get to even be talking about characters like Boba and his sister of all things it really does you mentioned Ahsoka earlier it really <laughs> does kind of feel like that mic drop of Anakin had a Padawan Boba had a sister <laughs> I think that's what they were looking for you know and it works it works for me at least I don't know if it works for everyone but it works for me it worked Anakin and Ahsoka work for me too I, I know it's now in, in retrospect it might sound a little crazy talking about like four sensitive clones or like the perfect clone making the perfect clone I still think that that's like true that's why they wanted Omega back. And I don't mean to sound like crazy, the whole like, here's how Blah can win Best Picture. But like, here's how Force-sensitive Omega could still be a thing. If the Kaminoans are, I don't think Omega is Force-sensitive, okay? I'm just, I'm letting that theory go. But I still think that there's more to what the cloners want besides what they were doing in the past for the Clone Wars. I think that they are worried about their business and like their business model <laughs> and what a star Wars is not also about business and war and everything like that. Right. Obviously that I feel like that's why they wanted this perfect clone back. Someone with like pure um, Django Fett DNA so that they could use it to further experiment to get to eventually where we get with the pickled Snokes the the Palpatine of it all in the Rise of Skywalker. I feel like all of those have to be linked because story wise, I feel like we have to be leading to that. There has to be some sort of evolution of clones, like the the dark side cloning uh, secrets only Sith know. Um, that sort of idea. I I feel like we are going towards that. And honestly, I got the vibe in this episode when we saw those vats of the clones uh, in this abandoned facility by the Kaminoans. And then when Omega uh, kind of burst that vial on, on Fennec and it was like really slimy and disgusting. Oh my God. Um, I really got the vibe to me. I don't know. It was the first time I ever thought about Snoke potentially being a modified Kaminoan clone. And it would make a little bit of sense to me just because he, I know it sounds so crazy to even talk about this now. Okay. I hear myself, but it does make a little bit of sense to even follow this path just because Snoke was like pretty large and he kind of looked like that. Like the, there was the same sort of body <laughs> modulization in this like pickled, uh, I keep saying pickled Snokes, like that's a, it's a meme obviously, but this sort of large vat of where the cloning was happening. It's very alien. It's very like Jurassic Park 2, even the Lost World. That's kind of the vibe I got. and. It's very spooky. And that same spooky effect is obviously used in The Rise of Skywalker to show that Snoke was a clone. And how do we get, how do we link those two? I think that the show isn't necessarily answering that question outrightly. I don't think it needs to, but we can draw those connections in our head about where that's all going to go and how that is even possible because we're still wondering what's going on with the Kamino and cloners. Even by the time of the Mandalorian, where we have a doctor, Dr. Pershing, who has 
the Camino sign on his uniform. So cloning is still happening, but just to what extent and what are they experimenting on and why do they need a, like a perfect specimen besides the fact that she is a perfect specimen, you know? I really just wanted you to continue on that tangent, not tangent, but like a little monologue to see how many times you would bring up pickled Snokes. Yeah, you know, it's a meme. I know it is. And I know that some people like might not even know what I'm talking about, but I still think that that's what is happening in the rise of skywalker when you see snoke he's getting pickled you know (laughs) i hope everyone knows about pickled snokes i really do but yeah i think i think what you said about there being this connectivity between all of these things especially what's happening in the mandalorian with grogu and with dr pershing um it does all make sense and i don't know if it's something that bad batch has to do super directly it certainly could but i think that it's kind of leading us like you said to all of these connections even the fact that there is this kaminoan facility not on kamino i didn't know that the kaminoans had stuff in this time period like cloning facilities that was not on Camino. I didn't know that. Maybe I should have. I don't know. Um, but I was really surprised learning that there was this facility that existed outside of Camino. I don't know why I thought that everything they did was super secretive throughout the Clone Wars and that they were quite literally hidden away on Camino to the fact where it's not even on, you know, it's lost the planet has Master Obi-Wan. Um, so I was really surprised that there was this other facility. And I think that that does start to draw the line for us, like you were saying, of there being a um, Dr. Pershing is doing something on uh, Navarro, and then we have um, everything that's happening on Exegol. There is this line, and what is Star Wars if not leading to the conclusion of Pickled Snokes at this point? I, I just don't know. Especially at the time period that this show was being developed too like the story of it was being developed around the same time that the rise of skywalker was getting promoted so i just it feels like there is that sense of connectivity and it's something i like to keep in mind now now that caitlin and i have this podcast i feel like we're really like entrenched in like the timelines of when things are being developed it's something i just had never really thought about before before we started doing this podcast and maybe it just never really had to i don't know it was something we talked about a lot with like rebels and rebels was being developed at the same time as like the force awakens and rogue one and all that sort of connectivity that was happening there i always try to think about that when it comes to shows that are in development now and things that are coming out it's like okay so when was this being written and what star wars things were people talking about in fandom promotional wise like what were people surrounded with because so much of star wars is i don't know what we take in around us in our environment right i don't know i think about it a lot also like i just this is a weird aside the cloned aliens look so much like the aliens in indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull it was so similar to me i was astounded (laughs) we stand indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull at least i do i don't know i was gonna say people just just pushed pause on the podcast (laughs) it's okay no one is surprised absolutely no one is surprised that i've kind of like that movie you know I was at a lunch with some colleagues and of course we were there with archaeologists and of course Indiana Jones got brought up and everyone was like and we were talking about the new movie uh, and the filming and we were all talking about like Harrison Ford and the hat of it all the you know the the famous hat and everyone was like oh but 
you know, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull is just so bad. And I was like, it's not. It's so campy. It's so fun. It's so good. And they're like, the aliens at the end. And I was like, they're great. They're so weird. (laughs) It's of the time. We're exploring the 50s. It makes (laughs) sense. Okay. (laughs) It's like, whatever. The entire, every single Indiana Jones movie is campy and so weird and filled with horror elements. And I'll never let this go. (laughs) Just because it wasn't executed to perfection doesn't mean it it was out of place. I tried to, there was one person in our group who hadn't actually seen the the fourth one. They just never gotten around to it. And I tried to sell them on the film solely based off the fact that it starts with uh, Indiana Jones in a deserted nuclear town and he is rescued by a refrigerator. Yep. Yes. Lined with lead. We Lined love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to get back to the Bad Batch, um, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Kaminoans and Boba in this episode. But what did you think, Charlotte, of the multiple standoffs between Fennec and Catabane? So good and so filled with tension because I think that we didn't really know what the end goal of each of them was that I didn't know who I was rooting for. And it it kind of kept switching, at least in terms of like who I'm rooting for the bad guy. Obviously, I'm rooting for Omega to be free. But at the end, when it sort of revealed that Fennec was just going to keep Omega out of um, Lama Sue's hands, it puts a whole different spin on the entire fight. But I think the staging of it all was just so beautifully done. We've already talked about the lighting. I actually thought it was kind of surprising that Cad Bane lived, which means that I feel like there's more to be said about what's going to happen with him later and the fact that that fight like wasn't over and it's something that is going to be continued this kind of gives credence to my theory about we're going to see more bounty hunters almost like another war of the bounty hunters based off of the fact that now we're establishing these sort of rivalries between Fennec and Cad Bane and there has to be another fight, you know, like if you you could just feel it at the end of that when Cad Bane sort of grits his teeth and she gets away and he doesn't, you know, and it's just surprising to me. What did you think of it? I loved their standoff. I was really excited to see Fennec back. She has been such a treat this season in The Bad Batch. And I thought her whole approach to Omega was really compelling. Like, Ming-Na Wen has such a great voice, too. She has this, like, she's, it was very kind of low and deep. And you can tell she's trying to make herself sound trustworthy to Omega. That was one of my favorite, you know, I know we're supposed to be talking about Cad Bane versus Fennec, but Fennec and Omega in that kind of chamber with the that which I already talked about a little bit of her asking like you already know who you are or what they want you for Omega but when she also says like I'm trying to help you you know come with me we go way back Omega and I it was just I thought it was so kind of chilling but also I found myself being like yeah Fennec wouldn't kill Omega like who knows what Fennec might do with Omega like would she really take her for the bounty or would she eventually be won over by Omega I found myself thinking of the first episode where uh, Fennec was introduced and Omega was like oh you're not you're a loner you can you can just come with us come hang out with us and how sweet that was and even Omega like or Fennec offering Omega that like actual piece of advice that you know Fennec believes of the only person you can count on is yourself. I thought that was a really great exchange between the two of them. So I found myself really like I would be interested in a Fennec and Omega dynamic and to see them 
have more one-on-one time together because I actually do think that Fennec could teach Omega a lot that Omega probably doesn't realize she needs to learn. Uh, to get back to the actual topic at hand, Fennec versus Cad Bane, obsessed, absolutely obsessed. I thought their fight scenes were so great. Uh, we've seen a lot of great action in the Bad Batch, and this was no exception to it. And having this kind of deserted, you know, dust particle infused ex-clone facility, just so chilling, so cool. I loved seeing them each get the upper hand on the other. I know that you kind of come into this expecting Cad Bane to immediately take control of the situation, and I think he does. But I think it's I think it's necessary to see that no one is unbeatable, right? Like we saw Cad Bane get the upper hand on Hunter. Now we see Fennec get the upper hand on Cad Bane, but it's not like Cad Bane didn't also take Fennec down a couple notches. They they knocked each other out a couple times, and finally Cad Bane Bane brings out the flamethrowers, and it's like, all right, I guess we're done here because how can you beat flamethrowers? <laughs> But the surprise of <laughs> Fennec kind of messing with Cad Bane's ship at the end of it, I thought was just so clever. And I had a pretty good laugh about it, honestly. So I really enjoyed their dynamic. And I think you're right. We're going to see more bounty hunters this season and probably into future seasons, notwithstanding Boba Fett, of course. But Cad Bane does know who Fennec is. He, he even says at the beginning um, something like, you didn't have enough experience or skill like I do. Like you're still new to this industry, basically. Uh, he, she has under five years experience. She shouldn't be hired. Speaking of bounty hunters, can we talk about how Crosshair legit looks like Dangar, the bounty hunter that was seen in Empire Strikes Back? And initially when he was being bandaged up in the last episode, I was like, wait, are they doing like a Dangar origin story? Is Crosshair going to be Dangar? And then I remembered that Dangar is in the Clone Wars so it's not a thing but it makes me I'm just like why are they doing this did did you feel like this like he really did look like Dengar like Google (laughs) Google this uh Google this bounty hunter if you don't know what I'm talking about and I don't know what they're doing here it's really confusing to me (laughs) it's oddly so intentional because he does look just like him (laughs) so weird Yeah, I just like don't know what to think about it because obviously if we didn't see Dangar in the Clone Wars, then I'd be like, oh, it's an origin story. But we did. And I don't think they would walk back on that because that was a pretty, it wasn't a huge arc, obviously, but it is part of the intentional canon, like on screen versus things that we've seen in comic from like a point of view, which you can argue, I suppose. It's not going to happen. It's just like a strange choice. And I don't know what to think about it. I mean, maybe they have something up their sleeve, but I'm not so sure. I wouldn't be that surprised if Crosshair finds himself in a position to leave whatever he's involved in with the Empire. If, like, say he gets his chip out and what we've been talking about happens of where he chooses to stay with the Empire versus go back with the Bad Batch or just not go back with the Bad Batch. And I wouldn't be surprised if Crosshair became like a loner or like a bounty hunter or something like that. So like that sort of makes sense to me. And I wonder, maybe it's an intentional nod that that's like something that's going to happen. I don't know. Right now, as it stands, it's just a funny thing that we can laugh at as a Star Wars fan who knows too much about this saga. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's because Seth Green is in this episode, but all I can think about is the robot chicken sketches. Dengar. So good. It's so good. We keep we keep talking about robot chicken on the past two episodes that we've done. It's interesting because of Seth Green. 
<laughs> so, Caitlin, now we're reaching the end of our discussion with this episode. I wanted to ask, where do you think we're going next? Because I feel like we got a whole load of information that we were wondering, and now I'm personally not sure what's going to happen next in the show, which is very exciting for me, especially someone who likes to speculate. And I can't wait until we can, I don't know, the next round, the next episode of speculation, of course. But I, I feel like we are now at a sort of midpoint about uh, an understanding of who these characters are and the stakes and everything. And where do you think we're going to go next? I still have money on Camino. I'm going to up my $10 bet to a $20 bet, I think, by the end of the season. I think having that moment with Omega and Hunter at the end was too nice <laughs> for them not to have to go back to Camino. And I really do think that that's where we're headed. I don't know about, you know, next week's episode. I think that Nalise is more than ready to pay Fennec a lot of money to continue to go after them. So I think that is entirely possible that we continue to see Fennec kind of pursuing the Bad Batch. In the last couple of episodes, Hunter was very keen on, all right, we now we need to get money to pay off Sid, right? And to pay off their debt and then go on their own. I think now he's going to switch tactics and now the goal is going to be to find a place where no one can find Omega. I think that might be what we see them trying to do next episode and it's not going to work. I think that could be next episode, but I do think we will end the season at some point back on Camino. Just for the sake of it, I'm going to say we're not going to, but I do think that it is ominous. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's ominous that Hunter thinks that he can protect her from at least the Kaminoans in general. And just for the sake of your bet, I'm going to let you have that, even though if I kind of think you're, you're right about that, because most stories end up quote unquote home. So it makes sense. <laughs> but just for oh, the no. bet, I'm going to stay where I am. And I agree. I feel like right now we have a lot of questions about um, purpose. And you're right that there's there will be like a sort of restructuring about not just protecting themselves, but also first and foremost, protecting Omega since they just went through this whole experience together. So whew, lots of stuff happening. Such a good episode. I give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think this episode was great. And I'm very excited to see what happens next. I'm ready for more Fennec, more Cad Bane, more soft moments between Omega and our Bad Batch. And of course, to see what's going to be happening with Crosshair, hopefully in the next episode too. So we are getting closer and closer to the season finale. It's going by fast, but it's been a very fun ride so far. And I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. What did you guys think of the Fennec and Cad Bane showdown? You can let us know online. You can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our TikTok, our Instagram, and our Facebook. Just search SkyTalkers. Just search Sky Talkers Podcast and you'll be sure to find us. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you took a second to go and do that. It helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in more ways to support us, you can check out our Patreon and our different reward tiers there. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, 
Z, Neil, Savannah, Jennifer, Chell, Tom, Edith, Molly, Kels, Aliyah, Sarah, Adam, Travis, Becca, Daniela, Alyssa, Katie, Allie, Natalia, Courtney, Diana, Stuart, Susanna, and Lauren. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Thank you.